0: What's good, everybody? My name is Brandon McCollum, also known as BMXC. This is Nice Minds. I'm joined by a very, very, very special guest, my homie Jerry, a.k.a. W.A.R. What's good, my dude?
1: You know, just uh, trying to live in this crazy, crazy COVID world. So, But I'm doing good. I'm doing good.
0: It's been a crazy year, my dude, and I, I haven't seen you
1: in probably
0: since the last Halloween party, right?
1: Yeah. 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 I think that was the last time. And then we kind of got into winter. I went into hibernation and yep. then boom, we were right into the the madness, if you will.
0: Yeah. And that was 2019. Uh, yeah. To give everybody a backstory, uh, we met in 2001. I uh, was just starting rapping and I was on mp3.com, which is was like a precursor to uh, SoundCloud Even SoundClick, even before that, mp3.com was like, I want to say it was like the first website where people were really like sharing mp3s and stuff like that. I don't think there was anything before that, yeah. I don't,
1: at least I wasn't using anything before that,
0: right? So, yeah, so I was on there just like scouting for beats and um, just anybody that was local that could help me. So, I think I like did the search for like Maple Grove, Osseo, and I ended up uh, you hit me back and then this dude uh, Aaron Jacobson hit me back and I'm still friends with both of you but you were the one that like you were like yeah come over record uh, you know I'll give you some beats like let's do let's do some shit and it was crazy so yeah I was 16 you were I think maybe 25 almost or were you 26?
1: I think so 25
0: yeah yeah so yeah, yeah you would have been 25 that makes sense so yeah so I was 16 I think I came over with I can't remember who was all there. Was, was it Chris, Josh, and my cousin? Was my cousin there? I think it was just Chris
1: and Josh.
0: I think you're so right. I remember right. Because my my cousin was on that song, so we had a song that you let us record. Um, and when I walk in, I just remember seeing, uh, your homie Mike, uh, aka Big Dog, and then your nephew Josh. They were both there. And, but they, they weren't part of the session or anything, but, but they were just like watching us the whole time. And I just remember being just super nervous, like, cause I, you know, I don't know you, I don't know these guys or whatever. And, but the session went super smooth. And, uh, after that, I just started coming over regularly and you kind of took me under your wing and, uh, the rest is history. So yeah, you were in a group called the horsemen back then. Um, what's your history with hip hop? Like when, when did you get started rapping?
1: Oh man. So I think the whole thing for me goes back to when I was a kid. Um, and we're talking, I was, I was born in 76. So my parents listened to, you know, Motown and rock and roll. And I think in the, in the early eighties, you know, one of my cousins came over and, uh, he had a boom box, you know, we would break dance and all that. That was, that was the thing going on. I was super into it. And, uh, he, I remember this one time he comes over we get kicked down to the basement because that's what would happen you know parents are like get down there he has this boom box and he plays uh some ll cool j so we're talking and I think it's 1985 86 I'm like you know nine ten years old whatever and I think from there it just uh it kind of was in my ear right it kind of grabbed me and it was like okay I liked all this other stuff my parents played um but this was different you know um the way he flowed, you know, what he was talking about. I could obviously relate, I'm 10 years old, Um, but I wanted to relate and I wanted to, you know, just dive deeper in. And so, and then I got, you know, a little bit older and NWA came out and, you know, I lived in South Minneapolis, um, just the inner city kid running around, but this was totally different and raw. And, you know, I started to hear, you know, Dre's beats and, and that type of stuff and I originally didn't even really want to rap um that wasn't my thing I wanted to make beats I started playing drums when I was five um and I wanted to be a producer uh but Mike who you mentioned earlier um and then my buddy Brent uh, we were all at a party um I don't know we were pretty young probably like 22 23 and uh the DJ throws on a beat and my buddy Brent just starts freestyling we kind of look like He knows how to rap like he never rapped before. Where'd this come from? And uh, and then Mike jumped on stage and I was like, well, if they go, I got to try it. And uh, the response was kind of crazy. People were like, you guys should make an album. And we're like, what are you talking about? You know, we're just we're at a party. We're young. We're having fun, you know, uh, inebriated, probably had too much to drink. Um, But then we got in the studio and we made a song. And the first song we ever wrote was called, uh, rhymes in my mind. And, uh, people loved it. And we're like, what is going on here? You know, we didn't really know. I even didn't really know how to make beats. I wasn't you know, good at it or anything. I was just trying stuff. And, uh, so it kind of happened by chance, right? I mean, I wanted to be a producer. I was making beats. Like I said, I wasn't good at it. And this party came along and, you know, three freestyles later we were making the first album. And so, you know, the rest is kind of history from there, but that's where I got my start. But I always love hip hop. I mean, that was my thing growing up. Like I was a weird kid because I listened to hip hop and I listened to metal and it, it wasn't like you weren't supposed to do both. Right. You were supposed to pick one. Yep. And I was like, I like them both. What are you talking about? They're two totally different, you know, genres of music. They they're nothing alike. And it was awesome to me. And it was like, I don't know. I just, to this day, I still have both. Um, My brother who since passed was a huge metal fan. So he was like, he got to listen to Motley Crue and Metallica and all this. And then I got this other side of me that, you know, my cousin was kind of listening, but it was like, Tribe Called Quest for me was that was like, just grabbed my heart. And like, I don't know. I could remember some of the first lines I ever heard and it kind of had me. So, I don't know. That's kind of how it all started for me. But like I said, I was a weird kid trying to listen to both metal and hip hop. So Hell
0: yeah. Yeah. I never really heard that story. Um, But I mean, yeah, because you were the first I mean, like I said, you were the first one to take me under your wing. And I didn't know a lot of people that even liked hip hop, you know, back in because, you know, I, I came from like when I moved to Minnesota, I moved to Plymouth and even in my school. I didn't know a lot of kids that listen to rap so I was like kind of like the only one so like even throughout throughout high school I mean I hung out with like the the like pop punk emo kids and I didn't really find my the people that I really gelled with until I met you like I, I feel like I mean like I knew a few people and like obviously like Josh who I you know started rapping with and stuff like that but that was that was it man I mean you were like kind of the first one that I really met that really was like from this area or lived in this area that really like you know loved hip hop like I did and grew up on it and you know rapped and stuff like that so so I, I always really looked up to you and um, I remember the second time I, I came and recorded because I, I think there was some months in between um, was that was the next April which was 2002. And I, I don't know why I remember it was April, but um, it was when I started my very first project that nobody will ever hear because it's terrible, but it was called, uh, <laughs> um, what was it Make You Say Woe or Make Them Say Woe? I don't re- even remember the exact title of it.
1: I think it was called Make You Say Whoa." because yeah. believe it or not, I probably have the masters of that somewhere in the archives you probably do because you're. i like know me. i do
0: you're like me you save everything um yeah so i remember uh i had a song about my my ex which was called make up your mind and that was the first song i recorded at your
1: place was it at the old studio or at this the current spot i'm at
0: the first time i recorded there was was the old studio so you, you okay. moved, you moved in that. I think maybe that's why it took so long for me to come because you were like just moving right after that.
1: I think you're right because I moved into this house in March of 2002. Okay, that, that makes sense. So your, your timeline makes perfect sense. You know, yeah, Crazy. You remember that.
0: It was April. I remember, man. Uh, it's crazy. I think I wrote it written down, I have it in my lyric notebook. Like I, I think I marked like when I recorded things or like when I wrote things or whatever, and that, that date just always stuck out to me. Um, but, yeah, so, you, I mean, literally, you I don't even remember if it was that session. You might have even picked me up for that session. I don't remember. Um, but you would literally pick me up, and we'd, we'd go to your house and record, because I didn't have my driver's license for years.
1: Yeah, I remember that. I'd, I'd pick you up in my white S10, usually. We'd uh, bump something you made or I made, and then we'd drive to the studio and knock yep. something out. Yep. Yep.
0: And that, that was just, I mean that that's how I cut my teeth, man. That's how I like got my experience, man. I mean, it, it was really those days, man. I, if it weren't for you, man, I I wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have stayed on the path that I'm I'm in, to be honest. I mean, so I really owe a lot of like my creativity and my journey to to your
1: you taking me under your wing, man. I appreciate that. I think um, you know, I was kind of, like you were saying, I, w- I was trying to find people to work with, and I think it was like. Who's going to respond? Um, Because a lot of people would say, let me get a beat. And then you'd say, okay, I'll give you a beat, whatever. And you'd never hear anything from them. And so I think with you, it was different because you communicated. And uh, I think that's one of your strong suits is like, you would hit me up. You were consistent with it. you know. Um, And even if I didn't talk to you for a month or something, you usually are on point to say, hey, I have this going on. I'm going to get back to you at this time. So I think that was a big part of it that then you know the happenstance of the way we met then turned into like you know where we could work together and do stuff And we were trying to find this like not just creative ground but just like where can we where can we, we talk about hip-hop where can we like hey what are you listening to not just what you're creating but I remember we'd chop it up about like stuff you were listening to um and whatnot so it was this nice like common ground to be able to just talk about something we were both passionate about so and to your point i did a lot of my friends weren't necessarily listening to hip-hop either and they thought it was crazy that i was rapping to begin with
0: same yeah man i mean i it was senior year when i really started like to get going with my rap stuff and i mean i was i was clowned i mean especially like after my first performance which was at my school I mean, I was just clowned because I mean, it. I don't. It, it's it's crazy how much hip hop has really gained steam in the last twenty years. I mean, because when you really think about it, it was like like even back then, it was people in the burbs they weren't really rocking with it yet, man. Like it was it was rare, you know. And it's weird, it just just twenty years ago, you know. Um. So yeah, like I mean, like like we were saying, you you were, you were the, we were like homies to the like based off of hip hop. Um, and then uh, you started throwing your, your parties and stuff like that, your Halloween parties. And I would perform every single year that I could. I mean, I know I missed a few because of like work and shit, but um, you would always invite me And man. Those were the coldest Halloween parties. Talk
1: about that a little bit. So wh- what year did you start those Halloween parties? They go back even farther than like, you know, I put a year on it and I think we stopped at year 19 they went before that. And so the reason I kind of coined it the way I did is that's when I took over planning it, booking it, you know, throwing it and it was really mine. Um, but I think, the that party in itself went back a few years beyond that. Um, and I think it really just started, you know, when I wanted to take it over, um, it was like, how do we give, you know, horsemen at the time, a platform, um to showcase you know whether it was a new album or just performing uh at that point it was hard to get in and get a spot to perform it wasn't like you know you could just go you know downtown to any spot at the time it was like um first avenue and you had dinky towner and some of these places that were starting to let hip-hop in Uh, but before that it wasn't like you could just show up on the scene and necessarily get a show it didn't work that way Um, so it was us creating kind of the spot where we could give ourselves the opportunity to have a show. It was, you know, us kind of figuring out what we wanted it to be, where did we want it to be, whether in the early days it was at my house to anywhere like a VFW to a maple tavern, you know, to where it ended up at, 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 uh, at Omni Brewing. Uh, so it was us just trying to give ourselves a platform to get our music out there, um, Cause that's what we were struggling with. But I think once we had that platform, you know, there was years, uh, even within when we were having them at the house where we were getting 200 people and, uh, you couldn't walk through the house, uh, type deal. And it was just packed and you had to worry about, are the cops going to come shut it down? Cause that happened a couple times. Uh, but more times than not, it didn't get shut down, which was good. Um, so it was odd the years it would, but yeah, it was all about just creating that platform of like, How do we have some place to get our music out? And then it was about how do we start to showcase, you know, whether it was you or, you know, just other groups that we had connections with that come out. And it wasn't even always about music. Sometimes it was about uh, comedy. Uh, My buddy Corey Adam and uh, Jeffrey Ryan Rogers, they came out and played a couple of times. And Corey Adam now um, just to see his growth and him get bigger and and dude had like i think a, like a top five comedy album on itunes within oh, the last couple of years i didn't know that and so yeah and so to like give him a you know a platform to do his stuff and see him grow so it was really about music and comedy and trying to like pull those artists together and you know at the end of the day we ended up having some really big artists perform um but more times than not it was you know who's the repeat type folks that are going to perform. And you were definitely one of them that was on the bill. um, Like I said, the majority of the time and we always appreciated having you out. It was weird not having the party this year. Oh yeah. Like it wouldn't happen anyways because of COVID, you know, and, and, uh, but I know we had even talked about, you know, maybe passing it on and you take it. Um, But yeah, it was definitely weird sitting here on the the weekend that it would have been and just been like, Oh, that's odd, right? There was no way to feel but odd. That was a bummer, man.
0: I mean, with COVID I and mean, everything. But, I mean, yeah, those parties were, were epic, man. I mean, it became a yearly tradition for, for not only me, but for a lot of my friends, too. I mean, because there was a good while where, like, the my same group of friends were coming, like, every year. Like, it would be, you know, like, Karnes and Nemo and, you know, Seth or Josh and, you know, just, like, a whole crew of people would, would usually roll through and yeah we had your house fucking rocking like when it was when it was at your house man (laughs) i mean that that was that was crazy though those those are some of my favorite memories that i'll just never forget like just timeless timeless moments man and i mean you had mac lethal come through your house bro
1: your house i know and i ate um what was crazy about when he came through the first time is a lot of these things we're talking about seem like random kind of chance, our meeting, um, you know, me even starting rapping. The Mac Lethal thing again was like a little bit of, I think I had looked at his tour schedule and I saw that he was gonna be in Minnesota. And, but I noticed he had a free day and it happened to be the day of my party. And so I was like, well, I'm gonna reach out. And at the time I reached out to to nobody, uh, which I think, you know, we had a common acquaintance. And I just asked the question, totally expecting the answer to be no. And I just said, what would it take? And, uh, he got back to me probably within an hour and he hit me with a price. And I was like that, yes, that's reasonable. I I can swing that. Um, but then Mac was really worried, like, this is a house party. What's the security going to look like? And I was like, dude, you literally don't, it's the most chill ever. And if there's any problem, whoever the person is, will get, will get kicked out and, uh, it's funny enough that, uh, that night when he came through, there was some guy that I did know at the party. And, uh, when Mac went on, he kept getting in his face. And so I missed probably more than half the set because I was telling the dude to calm down. You know, I brought him downstairs in the house a couple of times away from, you know, where the music was. He just kept coming up. So eventually I kicked him out and, uh, You know, I've only ever there was only a handful of people ever to get kicked out, and that was one of the guys. I still don't know who he is, um, don't know who he came with, any of that. So I don't know if it was just a random person that you know came in or from a Facebook post or what. But uh, if you remember at that Halloween party when he came, he recorded that video. um, I think to the song is called "Happy to Be Living." It's on YouTube. It's got like seven hundred fifty thousand views. Yeah, I never saw any of that. Didn't know it was recorded. I'm not in the video. Um, but yeah, that's that's a trip in itself to go read the comments and see what people say about it. You know, like they're like people will say where he actually is. His neighbors in Kansas City, and I'm like, you guys have no clue. you're just talking out your ass, right? Because it's my house.
0: It's funny too, because I can't like even the story that he put in the description was not what it was. Like, I can't remember what he no. said, but he's like, he's like, i I performed at my friend's, like, some something or another, but, like, it wasn't quite what it was, which was funny. Yeah. Um, but it was yep. it was your house party. And, yeah, people can go and look that up. Uh, it's called Happy to be Living, right?
1: Yep. And uh, the crazy thing about the video is uh, my buddy Andy was Richard Simmons that year. So, uh, you know, probably aged myself, but rock into the oldies or something like that. It was called Sweat into the Oldies. Um, and he came as Richard Simmons and he gets clowned in the comments constantly. Nobody knows who, who he is. They're just like wasted white dude in a dress. <laughs> and, uh, so it's pretty funny just to read through the comments. And, uh, then the second time we had Mac lethal, uh, my buddy Andy dressed up as uh, Richard Simmons again. So I thought that was pretty funny.
0: That was the last Halloween party. The one that, uh, the last one I was at 2019 and whether the last one you had, um, yeah. yeah, and that, that was actually the only time that I was able to, to catch Mac at your at your parties because the first time uh, I think my girl wanted to leave early and I was like, oh damn, like we had just been dating for like a little bit less than a year. so I, I you know if, if it was like if it was now, I'd be like, nah, I'm staying. Like get a you know I pay for an Uber home or something <laughs> like that. But at the time, you know, this is like a new girlfriend or whatever. I'm like, all right, we can leave. <laughs> but uh, like yeah. in the meanwhile, I'm like kicking myself, like damn, like miss miss yeah. freaking Mac Lethal. But yeah, man, I mean, like back to the 2020 thing, like has just put a damper on everything. Cause yeah, I mean, I was kind of gonna take over hosting the Halloween parties with you, and um, it just kind of put a damper on everything, bro. Um, and then yeah. uh, like I know that that with you, when when like the protests started happening, you really got out there and really helped out, man.
1: For anybody that doesn't know me, um, my family uh creates a very diverse background for me. And I say they create it because they live it. Um and what I mean by that is um both my daughters are African American. Um and so near and dear to my heart, you know, when that type of stuff happens, just as a good human, but even more so when you're when your children uh go through and live that stuff on a daily and you know, um, but then almost all my nieces and nephews are, um, of mixed race, right. Uh, with mostly being African-American and, and white, um, and some are native American and white. And so, so to see like that type of stuff is like, it's heartbreaking. Um, and it's, it's just not acceptable. And so when that all went down, you know, I grew up in South Minneapolis, that's my heart. Um, my aunt actually lived, the building's not even there anymore, but, um, where all the stuff happened at the precinct, I spent a ton of time in that neighborhood because one of my aunts lived there and, you know, my mom would want to stop by and I'd go run across the street to the arcade, um, and just running around in that neighborhood. That's where I grew up. And so to see that stuff go down, um, you know, the way it did just for many reasons just broke my heart first and foremost for you know the people um and George Floyd and the loss of life and it's like it's not like that one instance was new and it's not like I wasn't you know fighting some of that stuff in different ways before with my kids and all the stuff you know they go through on the daily but this just sparked a whole nother level for me that I felt like I got to get out and do something different than what I was doing prior. And so from that, it sparked um, the creation of it's called Feed the People. And so it's really a two person operation with my wife, um, where we're just trying to raise funds to, you know, feed people, but it's more about not just food, it's about feeding people's soul and getting them what they need. And so you know, when that all happened, obviously food was a big thing. And one of the ways we helped is we did a, we did a food drive for like eight days straight and raised donations. And I, I brought something like, I don't know, 12, 15 truckloads um, over into that neighborhood. And we just got people food, water, diapers, you know, because um, on top of the tragedy of George Floyd and everything going on there, folks directly in that community also didn't have anything to eat right the grocery stores were gone and and all that stuff so i was like how do we how do we help out um the situation of the people living down there in the moment that couldn't get away public transportation was shut down and and all of these things so um i can't remember the exact number but it was a staggering number it, uh, something like $12,000 we raised in that time
0: oh, wow. and brought
1: over there and gave directly to the people of that, you know, the neighborhoods there. Um, and so that, when I look back at this year, it's like, if I achieved nothing else, that accomplishment in alone is like success to know you helped out that many people. Um, and I didn't even get to see a lot of it face to face, which I would have loved, but I know that it all went to good use and went to people that, you know, needed to eat, needed to be fed. So that's where the name for feed the people came from. And, uh, you know, we've been doing stuff since then too. We did a coat drive this winter. We did a back to school drive, which was cool where we got kids supplies. And we actually partnered with this uh, other nonprofit organization called, um, oh, I'm going to forget the name now, Residents of Color Collective. And so that was cool. And uh, so, yeah, so we just been doing, trying to do a lot of work uh, to go back and help out the communities, um, you know, where I grew up and get people what they need. Right. Cause 2020 has been rough, um, and people are hurting. So it's like, how can we help out?
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, and, uh, I haven't even talked to you about this. I mean, I think maybe a little bit online, but I not in detail, Pier 22 fishing. Yeah. Yeah so you started that this past year too, which is dope. Like, I love the logo. I love everything that I've been seeing. Talk about that. What is it? What is it exactly?
1: Yeah. So Pier 22 fishing. Um, and again, it's like, it's trying to give back, but the name's got some meaning to it. So for me, uh, again, a lot of these things are personal, but, um, when I was 17 year old, 17 years old, my stepdad committed suicide. And so he was a Vietnam vet and, uh, You know, we fished a lot. That's what we did. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. And so, but one of the things we could do is go fish. Right. Um, And so I think as I was talking to my buddy, Ryan, and we fished a lot this summer, because it was like, what else are we going to do? We were trying to social distance. Um, You know, a lot of time we'd both be on um, our boats fishing and whatnot. And uh, so we started to talk about what can we do to give back? And so the reason Pier 22 and to connect it back to the the suicide piece I talked about um, the 22 in the name is the average number of military vets that commit suicide on a daily basis. And then the other piece is, you know, as kids and that's, you know, we want to take military vets and kids out Um, a lot of time kids. And as I was mentioning, when we go out and fish, when I was younger, we fish from the dock, we fish from the pier. And so it was trying to figure out like, how do we put a name together that's unique, but means something. And so Pier 22 really is the peers for the kid, you know, as they're getting out and fishing, they do that from shore, from the pier, from the dock and the 22 is for the, you know, number of vets that commit suicide. And so what we're really trying to do is find a way to give back and, you know, deal with mental health type issues um, and get, you know, vets out fishing again and hopefully get them a connection you know, if they're struggling with, you know, whatever it might be, um, in some of these cases, they might not be able to get out because, of, you know, you know, any type of injury they have coming back from, you know, wherever they served. Um, and then just getting kids out, but with a little bit with a focus, specifically for me is on like, you know, inner city kids and kids that, you know, maybe their parents don't have the means or maybe their mom and dad doesn't fish. Um, and can you teach them a skill uh, that's going to help them. And people go well, skill fishing. I think the biggest thing I learned from fishing growing up was patience. Um, in that the day wasn't always going to go exactly the way you thought. You weren't going to go out and catch you know ten fish, fifteen fish. You might go out and catch nothing. But I think there's lessons to be learned from that. Um, is to work hard because all that work will pay off um, as you learn more about like what it is the fish and that skill set can be taken and applied to other parts of life too. It's not just about fishing that virtue of like patience can pay off and not realizing not everything comes today. It's about building. And so, um, so right now it's me and three of my other buddies, uh, Ryan, uh, uh Josh Meyer and Josh Lobs. And we're really just trying to build this thing up and see where it can go. And, um, you know, hopefully one day even make it into like, uh, like a fishing company where we have lures and our own rods and all this type of stuff. And, but then still at the essence of it all, being able to give back and, and get people out to fish and, and, uh, and then deal with the mental health, um, pieces that are, you know, they're just prominent in our world because all the craziness that goes on. So, so that's what that's about. And, uh, you know, really just trying to find ways to give back, um, I think I've realized that, you know, being a rapper is awesome and helps me vent and is my therapy. Um, but it probably, I'm probably never, ever going to be a multi platinum selling art, artist and that's okay. Um, so how do I find other ways to give back and, uh, you know, my own mental health, it feels good to be able to do that stuff. So yeah, it's a, it's a release for me too, to be able to help folks out.
0: That's amazing. I mean, and yeah, not only are you teaching them patience and stuff like that, but I mean, also just catching fish. And I mean, do you like cook it with them at all? Or like, um, you know, teach them those type of skills too?
1: Yeah. We'll, we'll get into all of that type stuff. You know, we're relatively new. We started in October. Um, but yeah, it's going to be all aspects. Right. So, you know, how do you get out there and how do you even set up your pole? Like what lures should you use? When should you use live bait, Um, you know, down to when you catch the fish, how should you handle it? Um, So big on conservation and and those type of things. Um, And then, you know, when you do catch the fish that you should be keeping, um, how do you cook and clean them? Like, what's the proper way to do that? And then just how do you take care of the environment, right? Because if you don't take care of it now, it's not going to be there for future generations. Um, and so you got to kind of teach that A to Z type mentality of what does it take to be a responsible outdoorsman and fisherman, and do it in the right way with respect, um, for nature and for yourself and for your fellow fishermen. So otherwise it won't, it frankly won't be there for, you know, generations to come.
0: I would love to help out, man. That, that sounds amazing. I love what you're doing with that.
1: We'll definitely take you up on that. Um, we just had our first event, uh, this last Saturday. And it was freezing cold. Um, but we, I think we had 27 people out on uh, Medicine Lake in Plymouth. Um, we only had a few kids, but I get it. It was like, you know, negative 10 or whatever. Um, but it went very well considering, you know, how cold it was. Um, you know, we had houses and warming house and all that stuff. So the folks that came out were nice and toasty and could, you know, get into a nice house and all that. And uh, that was crazy because we had a lot of people help us out with, you know, loaning loaning us their fish house for the day or a heater, um, and all that stuff. So it went really well, but excuse me. I think the next time, uh, we have folks out, it'll probably be a little bit warmer probably in the spring here. So we'll get you out get you on some fish. So for sure.
0: That's what's up, man. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a minute. I was trying to think of the last time I've been fishing and probably since I was in my late teens, early twenties, probably. So at least like 15 years probably. But I mean, when I was a kid, man, I mean, when I, especially when I first moved to Minnesota, that was my jam. I mean, I would like, when we would go up north, you know, at my, my aunt's cabin and I would just stand on the dock. That was like my thing. I was always on the dock fishing or, you know, out in the boat with my dad or my uncle fishing. I mean, that's, I was just obsessed when I was younger. I don't know why I didn't continue as I got older, but, um, I guess life and hip hop happens and, um, just, uh just got out of that. But I would, it's something I've been meaning to and wanting to get back in. So I feel like this would be a good excuse to, to dive back in. If you needed any help with anything.
1: For sure. We'll be in touch. We'll need the help. And just to get you out, I think would be good and, uh, experience some fishing and, uh, put you on one. So, you know, that was the craziest thing with this last year. I got to fish more than I ever had before. And, uh, uh, I took my son out quite a few times. And uh, he got on some pretty nice fish, and to see his excitement uh, was pretty crazy. Uh, I think we were out; it was maybe May or June, and he caught his uh, personal best uh, largemouth bass. And man, the look on his face when he hooked into it—it was—it was nuts. Like he was like, "Help me reel it in," and I was like, "No, nah, this is all you." <laughs> and uh, then, then he got it in, and like I don't know, I'll—I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you the picture. But his face in the picture is just like this look of enjoyment and excitement and like you know just accomplishment of like look what i did and so now that's all he talks about is like man i can't wait till we can go out again and bass fish and i can catch a bigger one so so he's got the fever now
0: that's super dope man hell yeah so i mean yeah so you kind of discussed uh what where you want to take pier 22 but uh are you doing anything creatively lately? Like, have you been working on any beats or music or anything?
1: Yeah, that's the other thing. I mean, this whole thing with 2020 is like, I think a lot of people, obviously, it's its gotten them down, and rightfully so. Uh, you know, people have lost jobs. People have lost loved ones. People have been sick. Um, you know, being at home, people have been depressed, anxiety-ridden, all, all these things, right? right? And so for me, I think, you know, I try to be in the studio, not so much writing, but I have been making beats, quite a bit and I think I have 10 that I've made since the onset of of COVID and I really try to take my time and you know not that I rush stuff before but I feel like I have more time to to kind of tweak them and get them to where I really want them Um, and part of it was even like you know instead of just sampling as much it was like playing bass lines and you know just really getting in and tweaking the drums even more than I have in the past. So got away from a little bit of just, you know, using samples, which is a big part of, you know, my beat making kind of process and got a little bit more into like trying to play different pieces and just perfect it a little more. Right. Um, I never feel like any of my beats are finished. I always feel like I can go back and add on more, um, you know, or I'll want to remix it or I want to change the drums or, whatever. And I was able to take that time. So, yeah, I, I I think I got about 10 that are finished. um, And most of them are up on SoundCloud and, and whatnot. And then I probably have another half dozen that are like in the works. And uh, so, yeah, so I've been doing that too. Not as much writing, um, which I feel like I need to get more into. I almost feel like I'm in this space though, where I should just let it go. But if I write some stuff, I'm probably going to lose a decent amount of friends and use that term weird because you're like, if you lose somebody and your friend, were they really your friend? But I got so much to say based off everything that went on this year. I just got to get to a spot where I can write it in a way that I want to, but not have it lose any of its edge as well. So, cause this year has been definitely crazy, you know, on the, on the personal level as well. So, um, I think one of the crazy things that uh, happened this summer is my my niece got shot.
0: Yeah, by her boyfriend. That was crazy. That was on her birthday, right? On her thirtieth birthday, right?
1: Yeah, it was on her thirtieth birthday, and so I remember I can remember it very vividly, even though it wasn't that long ago. I had I got back from fishing that day, and I was exhausted. I was sitting on the couch, and you know I was out for like twelve hours, and I think it was something. It was like ten o'clock on a Saturday. And my phone rang and it was my sister, Angie. And I was like, well, this can't be good. You know, she was like, she didn't call me at 10 o'clock at night. And the first thing she said is she said, um, she said, Liz has been shot. And I go, what? You're like in shock, right? I go, come what? And, uh, she said, yeah, I'm driving there right now to her house. And so I didn't know she alive, dead, didn't know any of that. She just said she was driving there and she was trying to get details Um, and you know, it's just crazy because once we got to, we couldn't even talk to her at first, they wouldn't even tell us where she was because, you know, they didn't know who the shooter was. They didn't know if he was still on the loose. And so when I called the hospital, um, they were like, no, she's not here. Like, I was like, well, I know she's there. The police officer told me she was there. Um, and I get why they do all that, but that was nerve wracking to go, well, what's going on. And, uh. You know, so all that was just nuts and whirlwind because we didn't think she was going to make it. And then when they said, okay, she's going to make it, then it was, she's not going to walk. And then, you know, to even, it's crazy. The sentencing for the guy was today. Um, Oh, wow. And so it's just been this like whirlwind of emotions. And I mean, she's a super strong person um, to the point where now she's walking, you know, she's She's got a walker, but she's walking and we didn't even think she was going to live. And, uh, she's, you know, got her own place and, uh, all these things. So like the event in itself is nuts because, you know, it stemmed from domestic violence, uh, which is again, another avenue to like go out and try to do something to make an impact there. And now, you know, I have this positive story and my niece for me is, is like, it's not just my niece. I raised her for a couple of years, um, when she was younger. So, you know, trying to explain all that to the doctors, like, well, this is my niece, but also I was the one that had custody of her until she was 18. Um, and of course they're like, do you have the paperwork? And I was like, well, she's 30. I don't, I don't know where that is. Right. You know, and you try not to get heated with somebody just, that's just doing their job. It was this like whirlwind of emotions. And then, uh, We did a GoFundMe and we raised an insane amount, um, like $28,000. Wow. And And then the crazy thing is I made some bonehead mistake not having done GoFundMe a ton where I missed the email. I think it went to my junk mail or something and I never hooked up the bank account for it. So the funds weren't coming down and she was in the hospital. So it wasn't really my like, we knew there was medical bills coming, but I was more trying to deal with, you know, how are we going to help her in the moment? And like, is she going to make it? Is she going to walk? And so that piece slipped my mind and they refunded everything, every last dollar. So I wake up, I wake up, it's a Sunday and I, my phone's blowing up. There's like text messages everywhere. People are like, said it refunded the money and this and that. And I'm like, okay, let me wake up. And uh, they couldn't do anything to reverse it. And so we, We reset it up. It just went back after it, and I think we got about a little more than like sixty percent of the twenty-eight thousand back. And uh, so we never got all the way back. But uh, so just a bit crazy ride of emotions, and I felt so bad because I forgot—I forgot to do something. I'm usually on the ball with that stuff, and I missed an email, and it all got refunded back. And um, you know, she wasn't upset about it. I mean, maybe she was. She wasn't outwardly upset with me, anyways. But uh, so that was a whole experience in itself. But I'm just glad she's, you know, to the point where she's here alive and, you know, she could get justice, you know, and uh, the the guy that did it to her, I think he ended up getting like 18 years, which isn't enough in my mind, but it's it's, it's better than nothing. So he was on the run for a while, too, wasn't he? He was on the run for sure. And uh, the police weren't really doing anything. So. I mean, I would call him on the daily and try to get updates. And uh, funny enough, I started stalking his Facebook and I started looking like who was commenting on his stuff and uh, started then just like track down where that person lived. And uh, I ended up feeding the police a bunch of information um, and they ended up finding him in the city that I gave him information on and at the person's house that I thought he might be at. And that was oh. all just from face Facebook stalking, which normally I wouldn't do. But in this case, you know, the person that tried to right. murder of your niece, you're going to try to track down. Yeah. because um, You don't want them to come back and, you know, go after them. And I was worried about my nephew, too, because he was scared out of his mind that he was going to come back and try to get him. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So they end up catching him, I think, in Rochester, if I remember, or Mankato, one of those two. Um yeah, and he's been locked up. But it was on it was like on the news down there. They had a SWAT team, all this stuff. So it was nuts. But wow.
0: uh, when was that? When did he when did he get caught? Oh so it
1: happened in June. He got caught. I wanna say he didn't get caught until like August or something. Damn. So like he was he was on the run and evaded, you know, everybody for like two months. Damn. And so but, yeah, if you're going to commit a crime, you better lock your Facebook down.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Damn. I'm glad he didn't, though.
0: Yeah. I can't even believe that happened, man. I mean, because I've known Liz, I mean, since, like, right after I met you. I mean, she was, I think she had just moved in uh, yep. when, when I met her. Uh, she was 12, I want to say. Yep. Um, yep. And, yeah, I mean, she's always been super nice to me. Like, she's been the sweetest to me. She's always just been super cool, super chill. Um, and I remember she used to just always, like, come downstairs when we were recording and just bug us. And you'd be like, go upstairs, Liz. <laughs> go upstairs. And uh, <laughs> she would come to, like, like every show that we did and, like, every Halloween party. And she was just, just the coolest. And, yeah. When I heard that, my heart just broke, man. Yeah. It's, it's still like,
1: I, some days I'm still in shock. Like, did that happen? Right. Um, but her attitude's been phenomenal. Like I think, you know, when they told her she wasn't going to walk, she was like, no, I'm going to walk. Wow. Um, and so she instantly was like, I'm going to walk. And I even was like, okay. Like I wish I could have that type of attitude towards yeah. things sometimes. And uh, just to see her positivity, and I'm sure she's scared sometimes and, you know, deals with, with all types of stuff. She probably doesn't even express, but to see her courage and strength and just like the fortitude to say, "Now nah, I don't care. You shot me motherfucker. Like I'm going to walk. You're not going to take anything away from me. Um, because she's like, I, I need to raise my son. Right. And so she's got a young son and she's like, basically just mind over matter. And, uh, just putting in into work to do it. And I know it hasn't been easy. And, uh, you know, I should shout out my sister, Angie's been like by her side. I mean, I've done a lot, but it's nothing in, in comparison to my sister, Angie, like, um, she's been there like the whole time helping her taking care of her son, just going above and beyond like type stuff. So the, their bond is quite crazy too. So it's like, I mean, just hats off to them and the work they put in. And so I don't know. It's an amazing story. I can't even do it justice. It's crazy. I mean,
0: I'm, I'm so glad that she had that willpower to fight. But but I mean, it, it's it's interesting that like when you have that, that willpower, just how much people can get through such tough things like that. I mean, it's the same thing with my mom when she had cancer. I mean, yeah. so many times, like especially when she was in the hospital for 50 plus days. I mean, I saw that woman go from hell and back. And the whole time she's like, I'm not going to die. I'm going to live through this. Like I'm going to, and she's still here and she's still kicking. And same thing with Liz. Like when you, when you have that, that drive and that willpower to live through something like that, I I feel like it's, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what I believe when it comes to like God and stuff like that, but it's, it's something with the universe and something with mind power and stuff like that. And like when people have that, that sort of like, I'm going to do this, they do it, you know?
1: I think there's something to be said for that, like that positive mindset and being able to, it's not just will your way there, but it's like putting that work in yep. to get yourself there. And it's all, again, it might be small steps certain day, right. especially when you got, you know, when you're dealing with cancer or a health ailment, but to build on it every day and like have that mentality of like, okay, I didn't feel great today, but I'm going to push it tomorrow and I'm going to get to wherever I need to get to. I think that just changes a lot. And so, I mean, I'm sure there's some scientific study on it somewhere, but I just feel like having that positive mindset, whether it's like with health or, you know, the drive to get wherever you are, I think that piece is huge. And then it's setting your own expectations a little bit to be like, okay, I'm not going to get there tomorrow. Right. I know it's a grind. Um, And just setting yourself up to succeed that way. So I think a lot of people fail because, they might have a goal but they think they have to get to it tomorrow yeah. um and it's like no you're probably not going to get there tomorrow you know i was i it's funny i always tell my kids like and people at work i'm like i used to say all the time like rome wasn't built in a day
0: yeah like
1: it wasn't it was built over decades and decades and you could say that about you know lots of things and i just apply that to like whatever i'm working on like it's not going to be built in a day It's just yep. not yeah. And
0: it's something that it goes back to like what you're talking about with fishing and stuff with with patients, man. And that's something I mean, especially with like with my mom's stuff and, you know, the 2020 stuff and like my own health stuff. Like It's, it's really like what you're saying, like it's something that I've had to learn really over the last like couple of years is, you know, I might not get to where I need to be tomorrow. You know, I might not feel the best you know today or tomorrow but like next week it could be better as long as I just keep putting that work in one day at a time you know and it, it just giving myself the patience and the grace um to just get through those tough moments you know and and yeah it's, it's stories like like yeah. like Liz that really like you know you think about it and you're just like damn like that's you know it's inspiring, man. Like it's, it's, it's tragic, but it's, it's really inspiring. Like the, the human spirit, you know? You know, the other thing when you're
1: talking about like this positive mindset is like not letting other people define your success. Right. Yep. Um, And you defining your own success. So like, you know, I talked about earlier, like, yeah, I'll probably never be a multi-platinum selling artist, but I still think I'm a successful, you know, hip hop producer and artist because I think, you know, I've, influence somebody at some point with the music I've made and to me that's success it doesn't need to be again on this like grand scale um because like my success could influence somebody that goes on to do something and they could then influence somebody to do something and at some point you have this like whether you know it or not you have this far reaching web um, of influence and it's not just music I mean it could be an everyday like conversations with your kids You know with your friends in a conversation we have so again it's i mean i don't know the way the universe works is quite amazing and i don't think uh, we even understand it all all the time so
0: yeah man i mean yeah when, when you think about like what you were saying like like one conversation with one person can lead to, like, a positive conversation with another person. And it goes back to, like, you being my mentor, like, with, like, music and stuff like that, and you taking me under... And I've been able to do that for so many other people now, you know? But I, I don't know if, like, I, I would have been able to do that or, like, kept going enough to, like, be able to do that if you hadn't done that for me, you know? And it's just, it, it's just one of those things where it's, like, it's, like, you're, you know, you, you taking a chance on me as like friends and homies and, um, collaborators and, um, it it opened up doors for so many other things and so many other people, you know? So that's, that's really true. That's a hundred percent true what you were saying.
1: And that's success right there. Right. So at least for me defined, right. Other people could define it however they want, but for me, that's success right there. Right. So that's, it's validation too, to go like, yeah, I did the right thing. And I think that's a lot of times to so like be a good person and do the right thing. Like, don't be hateful, like lead with like love yep. to your point, give yourself grace, give other people grace sometimes too. like, seek to understand stuff. Like right. don't jump to these negative, negative conclusions before you even have the conversation. Right. So,
0: I mean, I'm even like nervous to bring this up, but we, we never had a conversation about like when you were a part of NGE and like we, you know, we had a misunderstanding and we never really talked about that. It just kind of like we just moved on as friends. But I never right. really got got to apologize about that, man, because like, you know, that was when I was going through like a really hard time. And um, I just I, like at the time, I didn't know how to run the label properly. And, you know, I made a mistake where I just like I deleted a post and I was like almost off of work. So I'm like, I'll, I'll hit him up when I get back to Becky's. And, uh, and then like it, like literally like the half hour drive, you discovered that it was deleted. And then we had this, this like misunderstanding that led to like us, you know, maybe not talking for like, I don't remember how long it was, maybe two weeks to a month or something like that. Um, but it was one of those things where like, I never really got to like fully explain myself and apologize. And, you know, I know it's, it's long gone. That was like three or four years ago, but That was like the only, only like tension that you and I ever had. And, but it's, it's going to like what you're saying, like it's water under the bridge, you know, like it's, it's like, it was a misunderstanding that like, you know, it, I, I, I shouldn't have done it. It was a mistake that, that I regretted. Um, but man, I'm glad that we just got to
1: move on from it, man. And it's interesting you bring it up. Like I never, like once we got away from the moment of it, um I never thought like it had a negative impact on our relationship or what I thought no. about you. I think it was like you know this realization of like man I could have handled it differently too, right? I could have like let the dust settle on what I thought was a slight that really wasn't. It was just the way you wanted to run, you know, that part of the of the, you know, label um and then also like even fault of my own like not realizing like well what it b even have going on right um and i should have probably took a little more time to like realize or dig deeper to go like oh he's going through all this stuff with his mom having cancer and like you know might be running through appointments and like that didn't like you know that wasn't at the front of like my thought process i didn't know that was necessarily going on at that level um where it was you know affecting you that way and so I think it's, again, it's interesting. It's like a, it's a live and learn moment, but to your point, I don't think like we were cool from it. We might not ever discuss it deep in detail, but I ultimately knew like, I don't want it to be any point of contention in our like friendship. Cause that had right. been, you know, that had been something I like really valued and cherished. And it was like, you know, a lot of the times, like, I think figuring out like when you might have to walk away from a situation yeah. doesn't mean you got to walk away from that person. It right. might just mean like, man, I to your point, it was the one over like this long friendship, the one piece of tension we ever had. And it was like, well, I don't want that to be more tension or whatever. Like the friendship was more valuable than the working relationship with the label. Yeah, And so it's like, yeah, that in itself sucked. But at the same time, it was like, I we wouldn't be having this conversation today, right? it right. still be friends and I think I had you on like a couple of Halloween parties after that. So it was, yep. you know, it was no ill will for sure. So yeah. um, it just sometimes stuff happens. Right. And maybe the the connection of, of like us working on a label together just wasn't meant to be. And that's okay. Right. Yep. Uh, it doesn't mean we can't work on music or songs or different like pieces of it.
0: It was one of many things that was kind of the beginning of the end for me for uh, uh, like running Nice Guy Entertainment as a record label. Um, I mean, I, I'm a decent leader enough, but there was too many times where, like, I would do things like that and then have a complete nervous breakdown after it would happen. Um, and, like, you know, basically, like, oh, my God, what did I just do? Like, I, I you know, m- might have ruined not only, like, a friendship that I value like really deeply also like a working relationship but it was like it, it was a bunch of those moments that kind of kind of led me to what I'm doing right now essentially um which is you know this podcast and different ways to to still continue what I do but not in the the same format because I just I never quite knew how to make it all gel you know and make it right. all all click um and keep it all cohesive the way that like, you know, let you guys have your vision, but also my vision as well. It, it was just, it was very, very hard for me to, to do that. But I'm, I, I just want to say that I'm glad that we were able to get through that. And I'm, I'm glad that the way that we, we handled it and, um, you know, ultimately, um, and I, I just, I appreciate you, man. And you, you're one of the, the friends that I've had that, that i i value the most like i mean we're 20 years at this point at the end of this year um and yeah. it, it's it's 20 years like of you just being a fucking solid individual in my life like and i appreciate that. I, I can't thank you enough for everything that you've done for me and um just for i i guess a whole slew of people i mean like your impact is is so meaningful and deep in my life, man. So, um, thank
1: you. Oh man, I, I appreciate it. And I, I'm, you know, frankly, I'm honored and humbled. Like, um, I think to be part of NGE was like, and even before that, right. Um, to just be part of your journey has been awesome. Right. Uh, I think seeing somebody grow, seeing somebody like learn from their mistakes and be part of that journey is like, honestly, one of the most fulfilling things, uh, for me in this entire world. So it's, it's been a pleasure, honestly, um, you know, to be friends last, you know, 20 years and, and just be a part of lot, you know, lots of different ventures, right. Whether it was shows or different songs, um, almost getting arrested, shooting, the the Halloween video, That's the right. one year
0: that was dope. Uh, when
1: the police, yeah, when the police came. Uh, to the cemetery uh, I was like we're gonna get arrested I thought for sure
0: we, we need to talk about that we can't brush over that so yeah um on the same <laughs> YouTube channel that this will be posted on there's a thing still on there called Stranger Things Cypher um and we we filmed it was essentially just a promo for your Halloween party but it was dope man like it was like yeah. my, my first like directorial debut which like I ended up doing like two or three music videos um but it was like one of those visions that i had that like completely came to life and it was just it was super dope and we had just gotten done i think we i think we were done we we hadn't finished or had we finished
1: or had... we were close to done we okay. were going to shoot the outro and we hadn't yet got to that yet we were about to set up for it it probably would have taken us another minute or two because i think uh to jd had like in his head what he was gonna say and he was gonna do the outro and uh and then all of a sudden we saw the police lights flashing. Yeah I was like okay what do we do? Right. So then I think we we're finally just like you know flashed our flashlights. He came over all that jazz and he's like you can't be in here yada yada and it's like we're just shooting a video. And it was weird if you remember he knew he my recognized name recognized you yep. No yeah, he, knew yeah. he knew your name yeah he knew your name he knew my name he called you Jeremiah Yeah. Yep. So I think he ran the plates or whatever from my vehicle. So he knew it was me or whatever. And then, uh, you know, I think uh, my oldest daughter had been in some trouble right before that. And he was the officer that came to the house or whatever to bring her up, bring her home when she got in trouble. So he like remembered me and I'm like, Oh, great. You know, my daughter gets, you know, brought home for getting in trouble. And now I'm apparently in the cemetery doing something illegal, even though we didn't know it was illegal. We weren't really doing anything other than shooting a video trying to make it look creepy, right? Halloween theme. But that was nuts. So, yeah. I thought we were going to get arrested for sure.
0: I wish I would have gotten that part on video. Like I, w- I wish I would have just like snuck it and like just kept it kept it rolling. That would have been rolling. That would have been dope. But I mean, yeah, luckily we weren't like some punk kids or whatever. We were respectful or whatever, and he was just like, "Yeah, you guys just need to leave." And then we I think we yeah. we shot the intro part that ended up at the beginning of the video at like across the street or something and then yeah, yeah, yeah and then then we were done but um yeah and then we shot a follow up video the next year cuz my buddy uh Kyle who I also interviewed for this um he let us rent out uh what was that place called um yeah I don't even know what it was it's a community center but it was just like this and I I knew that I was like this is going to be perfect and it was like this creepy building um that I knew like it wasn't creepy in the day but like I knew at night it would probably be creepy. And he, he let us essentially rent the whole building and do whatever the hell we wanted. And there was like this perfect room that had this stage where it was like this kitchen, but it also had like a stage. I think it was like, it used to be an elementary school or something that they converted to something, like a community yeah. center. Um, and so, yeah, it had this stage and we, we used that and we, we did, Oh man, that w- that was an Epic. That's, that's called ghost kids. Um, and people can watch that as well, but that was like my second music video, uh, directorial uh, endeavor. But man, we've done some dope shit, bro.
1: Yeah, and that night was really fun. To your point, that building at night was creepy. It had an old like boiler uh, down in the basement or whatever. Yep. And uh, I'm in that video. Check it out. I'm one of the clowns dancing. I'm not a yep. clown. I don't. Remember. I was wearing some mask. I can't remember. Pit boy from Fallout. Yep. Yep is rocking that. And, uh, but anyway, that was super fun to shoot. I didn't know what we were doing. I just knew I was going to, you know, try to show up and contribute and, uh, figure out how we made it creepy, but it turned out great. Like that also was super fun. So
0: that was fire, man. Yeah, man. I mean, in the past 20 years, man, all the, all of our collaborations have just been epic, man. And I, I want to figure out more ways that, that we can collaborate and we can continue to do stuff, man, because, it's just been a pleasure. And I hope that, you know, we go for another 20 to 40 years, you know, however, however long we're living, I hope we keep on being homies and keep on collaborating.
1: No, oh, for sure. For sure. And I think, uh, you know, there's been lots of different like ways we got pulled together. Like if you remember uh, big Jess hit me up and I think he hit you up and he put us together on honorable mention, not even knowing we were on the same label and working together and all that stuff. So like, did he not know that thing? I don't think so. Uh, maybe he did. I mean, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but, but, uh, I remember he hit me up for honorable mention and he was like, okay, hey, I got a track for you. Um, I want you to do the track with, uh, with this guy, B McC. And I go, yeah, yeah. I said, I know Brandon, whatever, you know, I was like, I'm on the same label. And, uh, he's like, oh word, you know, so it, maybe he knew, uh, I don't know if he remembered or whatnot, you know, you, Maybe expect him to remember with all the stuff we were doing over the years, but uh, but I don't know. But uh, that track was super fun too. That like, track is fire. Um, I love that track. Yeah, it's uh. So if you guys haven't peeped that, it's all about being an old rapper in this game. Obviously, I'm old. My beard's all gray now, almost. So, um, but yeah, you should definitely put a link up to that too, because oh yeah, you no know doubt. the craziest thing is we did that at a Halloween party, and Nerd D came up to me and he goes yo, yo, let me know when that song comes out. He goes, that's fire. And I was like, it's already out. It's on honorable mention. And, uh, you know, for him to like, say one of your songs is awesome. And he likes it. I was kind of like, thanks dude. Appreciate it. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, I never know how to react when people ask you about that stuff. And, uh, but yeah, he came up to me at that Halloween party and he was like, let me know when that comes out. I must have said something about like it's coming out soon or something, but oh, yeah. I think it was already released. Um, maybe he just didn't hear me right, but yeah, he came up and asked me about it. There's a funny part too. If you go back and listen to the recording, it's totally. Uh, I think at the beginning I say something about an A A P card, mm-hmm. and I think it. I, I think I don't know what the right saying is, but my wife corrected me. And she said, "You know, that's not." the right term for it or whatever she said you forgot an a or something and i go well that's all the better because we're talking about being old rappers in oh, a yeah and, uh and whatnot so i think it's if you go back and listen i say it incorrectly apparently but whatever
0: i think you said aap and it's it's aarp right
1: yeah i think so some somebody will like tell us right in the comments at some point
0: uh, how many times have we done it live like at least two or three right
1: yeah I think at least two or three for sure.
0: Yeah, because I know we did it at one of your Halloween parties and then at my mom's benefit show. I know for sure we did two times.
1: I messed up at your mom's benefit show. I I think I freestyled something I wasn't supposed to, but nobody knew because I think that was the first time we did it. And uh, like always, I don't know, when I have a new song, I always forget the lyrics. And uh, I just freestyled something about being old. But I remember I messed up. So... That was, Funny.
0: that was a, that my mom's benefit show was, was dope. I also had Kenny Gray on here who was, um, a part of her benefit show. But yeah, I mean, I remember you, uh, you slapped on your hat and you're like, everybody throw donations in here and I'll match it. And, uh, yeah. I think people threw in like 300 bucks or something and you ended up matching yeah, it. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Cause I, and that night we ended up raising like, three grand or something crazy like that and man that was that was dope you I I really appreciate that because you ended up donating some stuff for the silent auction too right
1: yeah yes I it was a bunch of uh I'm a beer snob and so I pulled a bunch of stuff out of my beer cellar and uh donated that and I can't remember I think Seth bought it if I remember right and uh like I had thrown like a beer like a book about beer like a coffee table book and just a bunch of different like beers in there or whatnot and uh so that was fun yeah and uh funny enough I think I he ended up buying what I brought to the auction and I ended up you know winning I guess is the right way to put it um what uh what he put in the auction with the tattoo stuff which I haven't got yet uh we just our schedules just haven't worked out and then we had a date set and then COVID hit and so I haven't been able to get back with them, yeah. but uh, it might he's, work out now because he's right a couple yep. blocks from my house, so I won't have to drive a Saint Cloud.
0: Is it a couple blocks from your house? I haven't been yet.
1: Yeah, I think because it's right in Osseo. The spot he's at now, two Muses or two Muse. I can't. I don't know the exact name.
0: I had him scheduled for one of these. Um, he's going to be on at some point, but he uh he had to cancel and he wants to reschedule, but he he never rescheduled. So at some point, I will be yeah. getting him on here as well. Um. He nice. is the homie. He's done my one and only tattoo, and I want to go back for more, cause now I feel like I, I, I feel like I'm gonna get half sleeves at some point. And it's it's funny cause <laughs> cause if you if you ask my girlfriend, she'll tell you that like I was super anti tattoo like up until I got my tattoo, I was like tattoos yeah. are overrated, like they're just everybody's got them, and I was just like talking bad shit. And then I got one. I'm like, I think I want half sleeves now, and like. <laughs> so i'll probably yeah, funny. At, at some point like i'm sure by the time i'm 40 i'll end up having like whole half sleeves and stuff especially now that seth is pretty close nah tattoos are dope like
1: i didn't even have my first tattoo until i was i don't know mid 30s And it was one of those things like i was just like if i'm gonna get something i want to make sure i really like it and you know some people just get them because they're like that's cool or whatever and they want to put whatever they don't you know i don't feel like they have to explain it and they don't but for me, I was like, I wanted to wait until I was for sure it was something I wanted. And I think all the ones I have now are something that are like near and dear to my heart. Like, um, and I don't have a ton. I have like three right now. But again, if it's something I really like, I'm going to go get it. You know, yep. it's just finding that artist you want to, you want to do it too. And yep. so with Seth, it's like, yeah, for sure. So what he's going to end up doing for me is a tattoo for my brother, um and my brother passed away now man it must be like six years seven years and so he was big into elephants big into fishing so it's it's gonna be this like elephant tattoo is gonna take up my whole calf so i'm uh i'm stoked to get that um so yeah i gotta get back at him and see what the heck's going on if oh, i have yeah. to wear seven masks to go up right. in that place to get it yep. yeah straight up so, yeah
0: that that reminds me i need to hit him up um yeah, I'm going to I'm going to try to hit him up and get get this this next hat rolling. But man, thank you so much for giving me the time today, man. Like I said, man, I really really appreciate you. You've been the homie for all these years and um you've been nothing but supportive and uh generous and I just can't I can't I could go on and on with all the good stuff I could say about you. So, um once again, thank you, man.
1: Appreciate that. Glad to be on. So thanks for having me.